glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. But I want you to open your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to read... Uh, I'm struggling here because there's two things I want to talk about. Um, But let's just read one verse for now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Let's read this verse and then we'll pray. And then I'm going to look up another verse here with you and we'll uh, get into the main text. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have. I pray, Lord, that this message would uh, be used by your Holy Spirit in the hearts of all those that are listening. I pray that your word would have uh, the effect that you intend for it to have this evening, and that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 7 says, So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So we've got him that he that planteth, he that watereth, and God gives the increase. But uh, let me just explain the scenario here so you can get an idea of where I'm going with this, what I'm trying to connect here. But in verse 9, Paul says, For we are laborers together with God. Now, he is speaking to the Corinthians. But he is not saying, we, me, Paul, and you Corinthians are laborers together with God. He's saying, me and my co-workers, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You're what God is working on. I am working. I am a co-laborer here with God, but... You're the subject here. You're what God is working on. And so uh, in the in the beginning here, in verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So even though he's saying, okay, I watered, somebody somebody planted, I watered, All of that, he's talking about uh, Apollos and several different people here. You can read the the context later to get the whole idea. But Paul is saying each person has their own work to do in your life. And God is the one who is trying to work in your life. Now, if you'll back up with me to chapter 2, he says... In chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Now we have received 
not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And then he says, I could not speak unto you as spiritual. Saying the things of God are spiritually discerned, but you're not spiritual. Boy, that's an encouraging thing for a, uh, you know, a missionary, Paul, to say, you're not ready for it. That's why I am God's co-laborer and you're not. <laughs> it's kind of, when you actually look at what he's saying here, it's kind of strong. He's putting them in their place. Of course, we know Corinthians was a problematic church. But at the same time, he starts talking about some things here that are, that are amazing when you read the context of chapter 3. But I want you to get this idea. Paul is not saying, I've done everything. He's saying, I'm trying to do what I know God wants me to do. But the Holy Spirit's the one that's got to do the work in your life. But many of you are carnal. You're not ready for God to do this. Now, I, I preached a message the other day, and I'm going to go back to that message uh, tonight, John chapter 4, and try and show you something here in John chapter 4 and relate it kind of to this idea. But John chapter 4, there's one verse I want to read first to connect this, and that is verse 37. Verse 37. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Verse 37 says, And herein is that saying true, One soweth, and another reapeth. Okay, so Paul said the same thing. One sows, one reaps, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Okay? Well, let's now jump into this story with that in mind. God is the one doing the work. He's trying to do a work in our lives. He's trying to do a work in other people's lives. John chapter 4 here. We know the story of the woman at the well. I hope all of you know it. If you don't, take the time to read it later. But I want to get the, the latter part of this. When Jesus ends his conversation with this Samaritan woman, in verse 23, he's talking to this woman about worship. And he says, The hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. 
Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields. Look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth the fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that true saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. I want to stop right there for now. Think about this. This last verse here, verse 39, says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. These people in this city, in Sychar, the city in Samaria, they believed on Christ because of the testimony of this woman. She testified and they believed. Now, this is interesting. Let's go back and look at how this whole scenario unfolds. Now, I hope you can follow. I've kind of read a lot here and I'm... I'm Struggling to try and bring you to bring you into my thoughts here, so you can follow my thinking process and get to the same point I got. Okay, uh, let's back up a little bit, walk through the story. Jesus tells this Samaritan woman, "God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth." Well there kind of seems to be a little bit of a break there. They're, they're following a certain pattern, and all of a sudden, she kind of turns the subject. And she says in verse 25, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. It kind of sounds like she, she was not, like she jumped to another subject. She was trying to avoid what he was talking about. And then verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. That was the last thing Jesus said to her. I that speak unto thee am he. Stop, cut, next scene. What happens? The disciples come in. They interrupt the conversation. The conversation stopped. Now, how many of you would go soul winning like this? You would end a conversation like that and feel at peace. This is not soul winning as we tend to think about it. This is Christ working in a woman's life. God works in ways that we don't understand. That's the problem many times we try to understand it. We can't. Jesus is there talking to this woman. The next verse says, verse 27, And upon this came his disciples. So as soon as he said, I that speak unto thee am he, 
the disciples come in. Seemingly, they interrupt the conversation. And the Bible says, in verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. So she, she left her water pot and she went back into town immediately after Christ said, I that speak unto thee am he. Did she get saved? Well, she didn't pray. What happened here? So the, the scenario is kind of messed up. According to our thinking, this is not a normal scenario. The disciples come in and, and interrupt the conversation, and they're wondering, oh, what, what's Jesus looking for here? They say in verse 27, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Jesus, why are you talking to this woman? Now, they didn't actually say that. They were just thinking it. Why are you talking to this woman? This is a woman of ill reputation. She did not have a good reputation. We know that by the conversation. Uh, Jesus said to her, Thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. So she did not have the best reputation around town. But her bad reputation was what God was working on. She may not have been the first person we would have gone to talk to. I remember once when I was a teenager, and naive as could be, we went soul winning one day downtown, city in Brazil. We went down to the park in the center of town, and we were soul winning, handing out tracts and talking to people. I was, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. And we're just looking for anybody that stopped. And I came up to this lady and I started hand her a track and talk to her. And she, she was kind of talking real low. I said, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Could you talk a little louder? And I'm, I'm trying to talk with her, but she kept whispering, you know. Well, then a buddy of mine comes along and kind of pulls me to the side and says, don't talk to her. <laughs> she was a prostitute. And here I was trying to witness to her. <laughs> I didn't have any idea, you know. I was naive as could be. But uh, that's kind of what was going on here. Jesus is talking to this lady, and it's not the first lady you expect him to be talking to, especially by himself, when all the other disciples weren't there. We have rules. We have, you know, we don't like to get caught in certain situations. I understand that. But look at what happens here. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. Okay, women, how many of you like to witness to men? They're your first, you know, first targets. See, there's something wrong with the scene. Uh, the, the little details are off. When we stop and look at it, we see that this is not exactly the way we would do things today. But God is working. God was doing something great here. The Holy Spirit was working. And I want you to find, I want you to see the end here. Verse 29, she says to the men, come, see a man which told us told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, she's saying this to the men. And then, verse 39, 
many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever did. Her testimony was enough to change the lives of many of those people in Samaria. Now, you think about this. She's the one that had a bad reputation. Why would anybody believe her? Why would anybody believe her? Well, she comes along saying, "Uh, guys, there's a guy that told me everything I ever did. Uh, (laughs) Can you imagine if you were one of those husbands or the guy she's living with now? Well, somebody else knows my life too then because this lady is well known in a bad way. But this guy told her everything she ever did? What does this man know? And you see what's going on here in their minds. They could have had some questions. Maybe they wouldn't believe. Maybe they just wanted to figure out what was going on to try and save their own skin. And so her testimony was what brought them to Christ. Now, here it says, noticing the details here, many of the Samaritans on that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. They believed on Christ. Now, that's great. That's great. Jesus said, John chapter 8, to those who believed on him, Ye are of your father, the devil. Those are people who believed on him. So what's going on here? Notice verse 40. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Not what he was planning. But he stayed there for two days. In Samaria, a place where the Jews did not go even go through. But he went there. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, what I hear many, many times, it's not wrong, so don't think I'm criticizing here, but I hear many people say, oh, yes, I won somebody to the Lord the other day. And that that's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. But the emphasis is going on them. I won somebody to the Lord. This is a work. This is something that I accomplished. This is what the lady was in a sense, saying, you believe because of me. I gave my testimony here. They said, no, 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 don't you come claim in our lives. We believed because of him. You brought us to him, but our relationship is not with you. We have a relationship with Christ. It's personal. And until we decide that we're not important in this story... We're going after people, but we're bringing them to Christ. Christ is the important factor here. He's the one they need to get to. We don't matter. We're not, we're not important in the picture. 
We give our testimony, but the only reason we should give our testimony is so that they can know more about Christ. Not, well, I brought him to Christ, or I brought her to Christ, or I witnessed. That's not important. Paul said, I watered, somebody else planted, but God gave the increase. So now, looking at this whole scenario, there's so much in this. I'd like to say a whole lot, but I want to go to a part that I've skipped over here. And that is when the disciples come in, they start talking to Jesus. And they say, uh, Master, eat. It kind of seems like a change of subject here. Jesus doesn't change the subject very often. When you're reading the Bible, there's something there. Don't just hop over it. Okay, he's trying to point something out here to these disciples. So they say, he says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. They said, well, somebody give him some food? I mean, he's just sitting here talking to this woman. I'm sure she's a Samaritan. She didn't give him food. Where do you get food from? And they're kind of wondering to themselves again. And he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, I mark this word finish. It's very important. He says, verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, he said, I have come to finish the work. There's the beginning, and there's the end. He said, I have come to finish the work. God sent me to the end. Now, in verse uh, 35, he says, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He didn't say they just plowed them, go plant the seed. He said they're already white to harvest. Verse 36, he says, and he that reapeth. Does reaping come at the end or at the beginning? At the end, he says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth. At the end, you're not going to gather if there's nothing there. Gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth in the beginning and he that reapeth in the end may rejoice together. Okay. One plants and one waters and one reaps. God gives the increase. He says here in verse 37, And herein is that saying true, One soweth and another reapeth the finish. He says, I sent you to sow. No, he says, I sent you to reap. That whereon ye bestowed no labor. The fields are white to harvest. They're ready to reap. God has sent us out into the world to reap. He's already working in the lives. He's already had somebody there planting and watering. And we'll do a little bit of that, but we're to reap. We're supposed to come and finish the work that God has started in their lives. This is amazing because normally we're happy with just doing whatever. But God says here, I've got a purpose for you. This Samaritan woman, she's out of nowhere. I met her here. 
But God was already working in her life. He had already been working in her life, and I am here to reap. I am here to gather the fruit. I'm here to finish the work of God in her life, not only in her life, but in the life of all those Samaritans, the men included. God had something to do in their lives. Now, many times when we think about um, the work of God, we think, oh, I'm going to go to Brazil and I'm going to plant the seed and somebody else will water and somebody else will reap. That's true. That's true. Paul said it. He said, one plants, the other waters. But here Jesus has something specific. From the mouth of Jesus, he says, look on the fields for they are white already into harvest. What's he saying? He's saying there's people out there that are just waiting for you to speak to them. There's a whole Samaritan city called Sychar out there that is just waiting for your testimony. Like it says here in verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Now that's important. We ought to give our testimony. Our testimony has an effect. But we can't be content with taking that glory to ourselves. We've got to bring them to Christ. And this is what God has called us to do. I'm a missionary in Brazil. been down there for 12 years or so. But this isn't my job. This is the job of the church. No matter where you are, God has given the church the command to go. Go into all the world. I do it in Brazil, but you should be doing it here where you live. How do we win people in Brazil? Let me tell you. I go to the grocery store. I go to the construction store. I I buy gas. Uh, We have neighbors. Um, Sometimes we invite those neighbors over for a meal because I like to eat too. Um, But... We do what everyone else does. Oh, do we go out, you know, well, you're a missionary, you're you're paid to to speak about God. You probably go out soul winning, you know, at least, I don't know, work 40 hours a week or something like that, knocking doors. No, that doesn't happen. But what does happen is we're in a different country, we're in a different place, we try and take advantage of opportunities. Yes, we do some door knocking. Sometimes we we hand out flyers, we hand out tracts, but we take advantage of the people that God has put in our path. Whether it be at the gas station, whether it be at the grocery store, whether a pipe breaks because of my stupidity and not paying attention to where it was, I've got to go to the store and buy a part to fix it. Well, then I've made contact with somebody at the store. And just like the Samaritan woman, God is working in that person's life. And many times I'll get there and I'll be amazed at what God had already done in their lives. Got to a lumber store once, was trying to buy some lumber when we were building the house, finishing up. And the guy 
sitting at the desk. He was all by himself there. He said, Pastor, sit down. I already knew him from before. He said, Pastor, sit down. He had his Bible open on his desk, and he started crying. He said, I'm reading Ephesians. And he started tearing up. I thought, wow. I don't think I've ever gotten that emotional about Ephesians before. But this is interesting. Tell me what's on your heart. You know, and so he started talking. He said that they, they, they were just so into it. Paul was talking to them, and they were so connected. They, they just wanted to do whatever God wanted them to do. And he was crying. It was a great opportunity for me to talk to him about the Lord. So I sat there, I think, for an hour and a half or so with him, talking to him about the Lord. I walked into that one. I mean, that wasn't like me trying to do anything. But God is already at work. That's the thing we need to be looking for. What is God doing? Who has God put in your path? Did you have an accident? Maybe you you weren't aware of that person before, but God made you crash into them so that you could talk to them. Be aware that they're on the face of the earth. I don't know. We need to pay attention to what God is doing because he is preparing the way before us. Just like this Samaritan woman. We can make a difference in somebody's life. But just think about this. If Jesus had not spoken to that woman, would any of the Samaritans been saved? Would any of them have come to Christ during that time? But he went, the Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 4, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. If you study a little bit, you'll find out the Jews went around Samaria to get to Galilee because they didn't like the Samaritans. But Jesus said in verse 4, he must needs go through Samaria. He had to go through there. Now, add that to verse 40, which says they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. He could have been in Galilee a long time before that. But he went out of his way. He was not afraid to change his plans to make a difference in somebody's life. To help somebody find Christ. Find out who the real Messiah was. I want you to think for a minute. Who has God put in your life? Have you had any encounters this week? with anybody that you could have witnessed to? At least given them a track? Has God put anybody in your path? We were, where did we eat the other day? Burger King. And the the guy who was working there was real young, but he was just having a great time. He was having a great time. I told him I wanted... French fries. I said, I want $2 fries. And he said, we have $2 fries? He said, I didn't know we had $2 fries. Where would you see that on the menu? You know, just joking. But he was trying to have a good time. So we were joking around and playing around with him a little bit, talking. Then I reached in my pocket. I didn't have a track. And I missed my opportunity that day. I should have had one on me. 
So then immediately afterwards, I'm trying to find an opportunity to give out a track because I had to make up one, you know. Um, but those opportunities, I had a good conversation with him. He was very friendly. I could have gone further, but I didn't. And just things like that. God puts in our way opportunities for us to witness for him. But what are you doing? Are you watering? Are you reaping the fields that are white? Okay, maybe you're planting some seeds off in some fields that have just been plowed. But are you doing something? That's the important thing. We all need to be busy. We all need to be working for the Lord. As he said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just go back and read this again. He says in verse 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, because it doesn't matter which parts you do. That's not the important part. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. God's going to reward you in due time. But he continues, and in this same chapter, he says, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Okay, now who gives the increase? God does. God gives the increase. But we are the temple of God. His Holy Spirit should be abiding in us and doing the work through us. But the problem is, we're just like the Corinthians. Back to verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Because the Holy Spirit's not working through you. Your temple is not acting, your your body is not acting as the temple of God that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So tonight I challenge you. Are you going to let God work through you and see the fields that are white unto harvest all around you and do your part? Mm-hmm.